0: And we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. My husband Rick and I adopted a whole food, plant based lifestyle in 2012, and we have had fantastic prescription free health results. And we also have maintained our combined weight loss of 130 pounds. And to help others who might be searching for answers for health or weight loss solutions, please like, comment, share, subscribe to Be Green with Amy and broadcasts like this because we need to get the word out. So just toss voice. let's welcome our guests. Robert Cheek is a vegan American bodybuilder, motivational speaker and author. He is a vegan activist and spends his time touring the United States for speaking engagements and book promotions. He also runs a fitness site, Vegan Bodybuilding and Fitness. Be Green with Amy welcomes Robert Cheek. Hi, Robert. Welcome. Hi,
1: Amy. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it.
0: Oh, I am so glad you're here. I'm so excited. It's like I have to roll out the red carpet because you are just uh, such a big celebrity in the world of plant-based eating. And I'm honored that you took the time to spend with us today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really appreciate you having me on and excited to uh, to chat with you today.
0: Yeah, we have a lot of different people in the audience today. I think a lot of different areas of the demographics. We have young people who are looking to build muscle. We have people that are looking to just get out of the chair, everything in between. So I think you're going to just be so helpful to everyone. Some people that are watching may not know too much about the plant-based lifestyle and therefore may not know about you. Why don't you tell us about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Amy. Uh, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years now. I first became vegan in 1995 before the internet was around, and I growing up on a farm in Western Oregon. I just, you know, I just didn't want to uh, eat animals anymore, and so I became vegan as a 15 year old, wondering could I get bigger and stronger. You know, I wasn't sure if I could build muscle on a plant based diet, even though I wanted to. Uh, not a lot of books, not a lot of uh, resources back then, documentaries, and certainly, certainly no podcasts. And so it was just something that I had to give uh, give it a try, you know. I had to uh, put in the work and see if I could make that happen for myself. So at age 15 in 1995, weighing 120 pounds, I set out on a on a vegan athlete lifestyle, and eventually uh, won multiple bodybuilding competitions and became a champion vegan bodybuilder, and wrote a number of books. And now I'm, I'm up 100 pounds from when I became vegan. I know a lot of people are interested in a plant-based diet for weight loss, but there's also the ability to build muscle, which is something that I have been able to um, specialize in to some degree over the last quarter century. And so now I'm 220 pounds as a champion vegan bodybuilder and uh, working on new books all the time to show other people how you too can build muscle on a plant-based diet.
0: That's so amazing. A lot of times we hear people going on this lifestyle and yes, you're right, they're there for weight loss, but there are some people that are out there that are maybe trying to build muscle or in the program that way. And they want to improve their health and they want to do what's right, maybe by the environment and the animals too. But that's a scary thing. I hear, I don't want to lose my gains.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But the beautiful thing about a plant-based diet is that you can either uh, burn body fat and lower weight, or you can build lean quality muscle without adding a bunch of body fat as you build mass. And the reason why that is, Amy, is because uh, once we understand nutrient density and calorie density, we can create meal plans that support our goals. We can understand things like the Harris-Benedict equation to to know uh, approximately how many calories we expend every day based on our gender, age, height, weight, and activity level. And once you have that information, and you're equipped with that info, then you can create a meal plan that's going to support uh, either a calorie surplus or a calorie deficit in order to build muscle or lose weight. And so, it, it really gives an individual control over their 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 I guess you want to call it, you know their body weight outcome by understanding uh, the, the very important. Uh, knowledge about nutrient density and calorie density. And, and for example, let's just uh, give some people some examples here. So, the most nutrient dense, which is basically nutrition per calorie or nutrients per calorie, uh, are leafy green vegetables. Those provide the best nutritional return on investment, but they're very low in calories, right? They're only like 60 to 100 calories per pound. Whereas on the far other end of the spectrum, you have oil that's, that's 4,000 calories per pound. Okay. And, and and foods all along that, that continuum. But most of the ones on the far low side are leafy green vegetables, other vegetables, fruits, grains, legumes, uh, foods like that. Um, Nuts and seeds are pretty far on the the high calorie spectrum, but those aren't typically a a staple in a lot of people's diet, more of a a condiment or something you add to a meal. And so what you get with a plant-based diet, is super nutrient dense food in low calorie form, meaning that you meet your nutritional needs without having to consume ex- excess calories. Therefore, you can maintain a uh, great weight, great health and, uh, and and not have to, in a lot of cases, worry about storing lots of excess fat or, uh, or consuming dietary cholesterol or taking in too low uh, dietary fiber or worrying about missing uh, vitamins or minerals or something like that. With a a super diverse plant-based diet of leafy greens and fruits and other vegetables, grains, nuts, seeds, legumes, you are poised to reach your nutritional needs as long as you consume adequate calories. Then you factor in exercise and specific goals and and consistency and work ethic and, and all these other things. And then you can become a champion athlete if you like, or you can lose a hundred pounds if you like, or you could gain you know a bunch of muscle if you like. And it all comes down to understanding things like the Andy score, the aggregate nutrient density index, and knowing what are the foods that are gonna provide the best nutritional return on investment and making sure we eat those foods
0: it's so wonderful because this lifestyle people say oh it, it might help me lose weight or it might help me gain weight but it also can help in so many lifestyle diseases so it's just this one size fits almost everything on the spectrum and meanwhile you can still g- regain your health or maintain your health and look good in the way that you want to if you want to slim down or if you want to bulk up either way you just have to learn about it and learn how to manipulate it i had a woman that was on her name was Marka Germain, and she had actually lost said that she thinks adopting this lifestyle is like learning a musical instrument if you want to play the piano you're not going to learn in one lesson you need a lot of time to learn nutrients and the calories and the movement and so forth because it's a different way of eating
1: yeah absolutely and amy you know when i first started i was 15 years old didn't have a lot of my own money. Didn't know exactly what to eat. I just knew what I didn't want to eat anymore. I did not want to eat animals or animal byproducts anymore, and so I had to learn as well. I didn't know what a lot of foods were. I'd never, you know, had certain foods um, that maybe are pretty common now. Probably even things like, like avocados or, or hemp seeds or flax seeds or something like that. As a teenager, you know, just mostly eating standard American diet type of food, I I wasn't familiar with a lot of those types of foods, which now are um, much more prevalent in my, in my diet. And like any nutrition plan, it, there's some sort of evolution along the way. I mean, you learn different things along the way, you discover different foods, you discover different preferences, uh, you discover how certain foods make you feel, either negatively or positively. Uh, you start to understand and learn more about about their nutrient composition, about what kind of uh, nutrition they provide for you, or what kind of negative nutrition they might bring uh, to the table, like in the form of processed, refined junk foods. Uh, they're foods that many of us like the taste of. They're very addicting. They're, um, you know, we simply like things like fried foods. We or we like things with butter on them or with chocolate on them, and that's just. Uh, to some degree, our our human nature, based on what we've consumed in our in our lives up until this point, and overcoming some of those food addictions is challenging. Um, it certainly is, and we have to acknowledge that. But the more really good, positive foods you can introduce to your lifestyle that take up more of the the calorie space in your stomach and on your plate and in your me- on your menu and in your nutrition plan, that the less room there is for a lot of those junk foods and and, uh, and also just some sort of uh, awareness of, of what we're consuming. You know, I'm not a big fan of, of counting every calorie or anything like that. Uh, but as a bodybuilder, I did for a while. And even as an author writing about this subject, I, I think it's actually profoundly important that we do it for a period of time to understand who we are and what we eat and, and, and learn more about ourselves. And it is incredibly revealing. If you were to document everything that you eat for an entire week, you'll, you'll realize a lot of different things about yourself. You'll realize whether you do or, or do not like desserts, um, what foods make up the bulk of your calorie intake, uh, what foods you eat most consistently, uh, which ones are omitted from your diet, maybe even, maybe even something as, as seemingly profoundly important like leafy green vegetables. A lot of people don't eat those. Um, because there's just other foods to enjoy, like potatoes and sweet potatoes and lentils and beans, or even processed foods like sandwiches and burritos and wraps. And, and then all of a sudden we're like, wow, I've been doing this plant-based diet for a long time, but I don't even eat leafy green vegetables. Or I realize there's, there's only three fr- fruits that I eat. I only eat apples, oranges, and bananas. What about the you know hundreds or thousands of other fruits out there that maybe have higher levels of antioxidants, uh, better nutrition, uh, just more variety? Uh, deeper pigment for greater antioxidant content uh, more water content that, that are just more hydrating um, ones that have that that help with uh, uh, replacing electrolytes lost through exercise uh, there's all those things to to discover and so I, I think some sort of uh, self-awareness or documentation of what we're eating gives us uh, just more more power over our outcome just like understanding our calorie, Consumption and calorie expenditure does.
0: That's really a very clever way of doing it because a lot of people say, well, in this lifestyle, you don't even have to measure or weigh or count, or you can just eat whatever you want. But actually, I think that is a really good idea whenever you set out to do anything, if you document what you're doing and document what you're eating and the kind of movement that you're making. I think for some people who might want to eat something that may not be as beneficial, the fact that they have to write it down might help them (laughs) keep from partaking in it and maybe giving them a a moment of pause to change their mind and pick something that was more nutrient dense, or if it was calorie dense that it would be healthier for
1: them. You know, I, you know, I have a new book coming out soon. And so I'm documenting all of my meals right now just to create some bonus material. So when people pre-order the book, they get like this, this week long, uh, recap of all of my meals and workouts and, and that kind of thing. And it, it, it is important because when you're thinking about it and you're you're like, you, you, you feel like having maybe some vegan ice cream or something like that, and you realize you have to write it down and this is then going to be shared with people, you decide, well, do I really want to do that? And it's not about, it's not about necessarily following a set of rules or being restrictive or anything like that. It's just that our actions become habits. And that's where it's important to recognize that. It's just like, you know, because and the reason why I said to document things for a period of time to have some sort of acknowledgement uh, or awareness of it is because otherwise we just say blanket statements like, oh, yeah, yeah, I eat pretty healthy without, without any knowledge of what our calorie expenditure versus consumption is, what our what our nutrient intake is, what our diversity is, what our meal timing is like. And, and, and maybe that's not important for some people. But if they do struggle with health or with weight loss or with weight gain or with energy or something like that, then it would make sense to document things to have some sort of record of it to see, you know, what 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 are we what could we do better? And so it, it's the same with exercise. People say, oh, yeah, I exercise all the time. And that's, that's just simply not the case uh, we, because we remember the things we want to remember. Like we say, yeah, oh, I take my dog for a walk every day but not on the days you're out of town or that you feel sick or that you're stressed or you're it's rainy or snowy, or you don't feel like it or whatever, but we, but we don't want to feel those feelings. We want to say, Oh, no, no, I I do this every single day. Just like I work out every day and I eat healthy food every day. And that's simply not the case. You know, there's other things we do every day, every day, which is usually using the internet and watching television and, and not moving as much as we probably should and having some negative thoughts and all that. Um, but it's. I think it really behooves us to be aware of what we are or are not doing. And so I, I document my exercises as well because, as I was just saying on a, on a different podcast recently, that you know if you start if you start missing like two days in a row, then missing a third day in a row isn't that big of a deal, or missing a fourth day because you've already missed three now or four. So might as well just miss five or you know I'll take a whole week off. And again, that's okay if you don't have a lot of fitness goals. But if you are trying to do something like run a marathon or or build muscle or something like that, then, it, then taking a week off is gonna be problematic with that. So, and speaking of exercise, I see a little one down there who's starting to squeak at me that maybe she wants to go out. I'm gonna see if she wants to come visit. Come here,
0: Ellie. Oh my goodness.
1: There we go. She's a whopping six and a half pounds of plant-based Chihuahua awesomeness. And she has been plant-based as long as we've had her for four and a half years. And our other other little one is about 12 pounds. So he's a bit bigger and he's sleeping right now. And he's 15 years old and has been plant-based for the last 10 years that we've had him. But she was just, you know, sometimes when I do interviews or if she hasn't been out out to run around as much as she'd like, she starts kind of squeaking at me, which is what she was doing at my feet. So (laughs) I I had to bend down to... To have her join the conversation today. So I well I'm
0: glad you did. That's quite true for us.
1: If she just kind of sits here, I think she'll be okay. I know.
0: think so. Well she'll we'll be, be okay. oh somebody said what a doll. <laughs> yeah we'll be okay too. We might not look at you as much. I'm sorry. She's just so cute. <laughs> <laughs> she's
1: the part of the show and she...
0: never she, never work with animals. They they tell the actors, right? Or children. <laughs> they steal the show. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean she's... She, was
1: She's been at my feet when I write books and write for hours and she hangs out with me. We do a walk. Like I was talking about consistency and documenting. Oh. I, I have it written down. We, we do a, we go on walks every single day and sometimes for an hour or 45 minutes or 30 minutes. It depends. But uh, yeah, she's out there with me all the time and, and hangs out next to me when I work out, especially if I'm working out at home here with dumbbells and uh, it's again, it's, it's all about that consistency and what we really are doing, and it's just kind of funny. Maybe that's why she started chirping when I talked about um, we we take our dogs for a walk or we don't.
0: You uh, uh, said, said the W word.
1: Yeah, she, did. <laughs> Maybe well. Maybe she heard that, uh, and, she, and she said, "Hey, well, then take me on. You know, take me on right now." She doesn't know that I'm working, but uh, but it's okay. So so yeah, so she's here to say hi. But um, all that to say, Amy, all that to say that, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a stickler for, you know, people calorie counting. And I agree with people like Dr. Esselstyn who says you don't have to, but if you do struggle, if you do struggle with weight loss or muscle gain or with energy or with feeling well, then it makes sense to write down what you're eating, to realize what the issues might be. And you can have that data and you can look at it. You can take it to a registered dietitian. You could take it to a doctor. You could just you know, evaluate it yourself or or work with a a coach or a trainer. And you can say, wow, here's the problem. You know, that, that, that the average person should be drinking whatever you want to say, eight cups of water a day or 10 cups of water or 12 cups of water. And I'm only drinking one. I didn't realize that. Or the fact that I'm consuming 400 milligrams of caffeine every day. No wonder I have trouble falling asleep at night and that I don't feel rested when I wake up the next day. Or We know that exercise is good for for serotonin and mental health and feeling good and mood, a positive mood and well-being. And I'm simply only exercising two days a week. And I just, for, for five days a week, I don't. And I didn't realize that because I focused so much on the days that I exercised that I just thought I did it every day. And this is, these are every, you know, every walk of life, every, you know, every group of people we know, there are people who fall into that category of we're simply, not doing the things that we think that we're doing and and that's often what 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 holds us back and i'll I'll give you one here's one quick analogy that that really hits home for me and that is you know i've been trying to write books my entire life i mean since this was a dream of mine since i was in the third grade in mrs young's class when i was eight years old i wanted to write books and i was in my 20s and i was talking to a a president of a university um, in portland oregon and we were just having a conversation and i told him that you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be an author someday i'm gonna write books someday and he said well how's that going and i said well i'm you know it's coming along and you know it has its ups and downs and all of this and you know but i hadn't published anything yet he said have you finished a book i said no but i'm you know i'm getting close and he said here's what i want you to do robert i want you to write two pages every day i don't care if it's good i don't care if it's bad I don't care if it's garbage, I want you to write two pages every single day, and soon you've written a book. And so I took that approach and I, and, I, and I wrote every day, and not just two pages. Some days were 10 pages, 15 pages, 30 pages, or four pages, or the minimum of two pages. But I wrote every single day, and within a short amount of time, I published my first book 11 years ago. And then when it came to writing another book, I followed the same advice, and I wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote. And I, I finished another book and then another book and then another book. And, and there are many people, people I know, people, you know, uh, you know, uh, all around, all around the world who want to write books someday. They, they just want to write a book. They want to tell their story. And everybody has the ability to do that or the capacity to do that, especially in today's self-publishing world, if you want to go that route. But it takes effort to write every day to finish a book. And for many of us, that book is just going to be uh, on the shelf, unfinished. Um, unfortunately sometimes forever and that's the same with nutrition and and exercise too where people talk about I I want to achieve these results you know I want weight loss it means something to me I want to be able to do it because it's meaningful to me it's going to make my life different in this kind of way it's going to make me feel a different way but they don't put in the two pages every single day uh, which is Whatever that is for them, exercising every day, or or making uh, conscious food decisions, or evaluating their calorie expenditure versus calorie intake in order to, to determine that they're in a calorie deficit in order to achieve that goal. So, it's re- it's really universal. You're you're not. Um, you're not gonna run a marathon tomorrow if you haven't been training for one. You're just, you're simply not going to. It takes running every day. That's your two pages, you know, is running two miles every day or, or, and then some days you run 10 miles or 15 miles or four miles or whatever the case is. Uh, And so I look at things like that as basically connecting the dots. What are my actions today gonna impact tomorrow as an athlete, as a, a person, as a healthy person, as a writer as somebody who has uh health and fitness goals what can i do today that's going to impact tomorrow and how will tomorrow impact a year from now and five years from now and 10 years from now and and that's the way that i think and that's that's the only way that that i've been able to become a champion bodybuilder i mean i was 120 pounds is the 1990s i was vegan on top of that i had no business in the sport of bodybuilding and then i came in there and won multiple competitions i competed. At the 2006 Natural Bodybuilding World Championships, I, I was runner-up four different times in in bodybuilding competitions. I won, you know, overall first place multiple times. Uh, I was in all kinds of muscle magazines, and I was able to write books about this, doing something I, I really, you know, ha- had no business doing. And the same with writing. I mean, I that wasn't part of my background, but it was something that I that I wanted to do. And so I worked at it and worked at it and worked at it, and soon. I wrote books and then I sold lots of books and then I toured around the world and gave presentations in Asia and Australia and Europe and Canada and the Caribbean and all over the US. And and then I landed a major book deal with the world's second largest publisher. And it all started with those little things more than a decade ago of writing two pages every day and positioning myself to be able to do this. And now talk to people like you and, and your audience and answer questions about How do you build muscle on a plant-based diet? Or how do you burn fat on a plant-based diet? Or how do you write a book? Or how do you reclaim your health? You do it by what you do every single day, not just what you do when you feel like it, or when it's convenient, or when you're reminded of it, or when you're in uh, the mood for it. It's what you do every day that determines your outcomes uh, in in the future and and today.
0: I just want to take that snippet and post it everywhere because. It's like every morning when we wake up, we should hear what you just said, just to get get our frame of mind where it needs to be. And that's such a great idea for thinking about that and how it affects every aspect of our lives. So you had energy. And I think that's really important because... There are people, well, let's just say the people that are trying to work out and build muscle. Maybe some of them are thinking about adopting this lifestyle, or maybe maybe some of them have, but didn't document what they were eating and didn't realize that maybe they were in a calorie deficit. So often I'm hearing people say, oh, you just don't get as much energy for your workouts if you don't consume animal products. So what do you say about that?
1: I would say that that fundamentally makes zero sense. Because Uh, You know, protein uh, of the three um, of the three macronutrients is is the least form, uh, the least efficient form of energy. Okay, so carbohydrates are our preferred form and then fats, uh, which are the most concentrated form of energy. And then protein is the least efficient. And so animal animal foods are mostly animal protein. And so that, that is a, a, a poor efficiency use of energy. I mean, you're just not gonna get much energy from animal protein. That's just not how it works. Energy comes from complex carbohydrate, plant-based foods. And that's what our body likes to run on. That's what our brain likes to run on. That's what we store in our muscles and uh, glycogen for reserves as we run out of energy from a long workout or, or from fasting or whatever the case is. And so I think what they're saying, I've been doing this for 25 years, so I understand where they're coming from. I think what they're saying is, they, they don't feel uh, nourished or satiated or full to have the power to go do a workout it has nothing to do with energy um, because energy does not come from animal based foods um, in, in the way that they think, as far as, you know, burning it um, for fuel. So what they're saying is maybe I'm eating too low calories on a plant-based diet. I'm eating too many salads and not as not, not enough starchy uh, vegetables, not as many legumes, not as many grains, um, not as many of the calorie dense nuts and seeds. And so I think what they're getting at is that, you know, I just don't feel full. And therefore, if I, that makes me feel a little bit hungry. And, and when I'm hungry, I don't feel like exercising. I feel like eating instead. So I'm going to eat and, and hopefully get nourished and, and feel full. And then I'll go to a workout, which then after they eat, then they're too full and they're too tired and they don't get the workout in. And so I've seen that play out over the last 20 years or so. So I do understand where they're coming from. How to mitigate that. So one of the most important things is to understand what your calorie needs are. So then you consume adequate calories so that you do feel full and satiated and energized and fueled up and are ready to exercise and burn and go burn calories and have power and strength and all of that. So Amy, here's a scenario. I, again, I've seen this for decades, right? So let's say you're a regular, um, standard, uh, standard American diet, uh, eating athlete. Okay. Um, uh, so, So you're an omnivore athlete, maybe you're a basketball player, football player, soccer player. Um, Let's just say, for example's sake, that you're used to eating um, 3,000 calories a day. That may sound like a lot, but it's very, very common for athletes, uh, men and women alike, actually, because of the amount of calories they expend. Let's just say that it's a nice, easy round number. So if you're eating a a omnivorous diet, animal protein with some plants and everything, and for for 3,000 calorie diet, And that's what your body is used to. And you're building strength. You're a football player. You're, you know, whatever the case is. And then you switch to a plant-based diet and you cut out all the animal protein and a lot of the calorie density. Okay. That's in, that's in meat and dairy and eggs. Uh, And now all of a sudden, let's say you're consuming 2000 calories a day and you're wondering, Hey, where did some of my energy go? Or where did my strength go? Or how come I'm losing weight? But what you've done is reduced your calorie intake by a thousand, by a third, And you're wondering why you lost weight or or why you lost energy, because, you know, calories are energy and you just lost a thousand of them. (laughs) And 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 you don't have the ability to even maintain mass muscle mass because you're in a significant calorie deficit. Uh, This happens all the time, particularly with men. I've seen uh, male athletes of all types, especially strength athletes. Because in the world of bodybuilding or, or, or um, contact sports, I've encountered uh, countless male athletes who are interested in a plant-based diet, adopt a plant-based diet, and lose unwanted weight or even muscle. And it's because when you replace uh, you know, meat with uh, leafy greens or fruits or cruciferous vegetables and things like that, that you're just, you're just missing um, a lot of that calorie intake. So what do you have to do? You, you got to be aware of that. And so then you need to eat some things that have a bit more calories in them, like nut butters um, or nuts and seeds themselves. And, and on salads and in smoothies, um, on bowls um, and sandwiches, you know, peanut butter sandwiches or almond butter or cashew butter or whatever you like, um, adding walnuts to oatmeal, um, adding adding nuts and seeds to cereals or something like that. Consuming more potatoes and yams and sweet potatoes and lentils and beans and rice and oats and some of the more calorie-dense plant-based foods, more avocados and olives and things like that. And then it's easy to do. Then you can then you can still maintain your your in this example uh, your 3,000 calorie diet with completely plant-based foods, and you can even do it with completely plant-based whole foods. It may require a bit more volume or a bit more strategic planning, but that is precisely. What's happening for a lot of people, men and women alike. And now, 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 consider the flip side of that. Okay, let's say, let's say people are trying. There's a person who's trying to lose weight, um, which is a much more common goal than trying to gain weight. And let's say they need to be consuming about 2,000 calories a day. Again, just as an example, an active person involved in whatever it is—walking, jogging, cycling, swimming, dog walking, uh, just active around the house, climbing stairs, whatever the case is. They're, they're consuming uh, 2,000 calories a day and um, and that helps them maintain weight or even lose weight. But let's say they have no awareness of what their diet is like at all. And they love things like like uh, processed vegan food. I mean and, and you know who doesn't to some degree? vegan pizza and lasagna and this kind of stuff and burritos and wraps and ice creams and things you know, oil and, and all of that. And now they're consuming let's say 3,000 calories a day. Without knowing it, there's just no awareness whatsoever, and and they don't know how many calories are in chocolate, or in, or in pastries, or in breads, or in donuts, or in. I mean, we just don't know. And so here's this person trying to lose weight, or even, or at least maintain weight on their 2,000 calorie diet, and without knowing it, they're consuming 3,000 calories every single day. So what does that do? That accumulates over time, and so that person is not going to be in a calorie deficit. They're not going to lose weight even if they're exercising a ton if they're over consuming by a thousand calories and over time what what's actually more likely to happen is that they will gain weight even with the goal or the quest or the dream or, or the effort to lose weight if the calorie surplus is so significant because we're not aware of it uh, and just adds up and accumulates week after week month after month and then over the course of of time months or over the, or over the course of a year or two we add, you know, five pounds here, 10 pounds there, 20 pounds here. And all of a sudden, um, we're not losing weight. And so it goes both ways. Uh, and, and it just comes down to having an understanding. And again, I just want to reiterate that uh, I don't believe people need to count calories every day. But if you don't have any awareness of what you're eating and or what you're expending, it it certainly is a- advantageous to do it for a period of time. And it, it may be the most eye opening thing, that you experience about yourself because food is something we consume all day long it's a very intimate and personal thing um, we, we eat based on our emotions we eat based on our, our our schedules based on whether we're home or away from home or whether we're traveling or the company that we're with the people that we're with um, and that may determine the beverages that we drink whether that's uh, heavy calorie beverages or alcoholic beverages or or, you know, anything, um, water compared to milkshakes versus, you know, alcohol versus, you know, you know uh, fruit juice loaded with sugar, whatever it is, it's oftentimes the company that we're with, the situations that we're in, the places we go. And uh, if we can just become aware of those things, it's, it's incredibly insightful and eye-opening. And I have to tell you, Amy, it's one of the most empowering feelings to have control over that. And I experienced it firsthand where, I mean, I've put on a hundred pounds. So there've been times that I've been, you know, I've been heavy, you know, and where I've been injured and couldn't exercise for five months because I herniated discs in my spine, but I still ate. Like I was this weightlifter bodybuilder guy. And I packed on a ton of extra body fat and was like 30, I don't know, 30% body fat when I had been as low as 6% as a bodybuilder. Like I've, I've gone through this myself. It's not like I've, like Robert's always been fit and strong and all this. I was very thin. I was a long distance runner. I could not put on body fat or weight, you know, uh, to save my life. I mean, I tried for a year and gained one pound. I was miserable failure And until I really understood some of these relationships between calorie consumption and expenditure. And then all of a sudden I put on a bunch of muscle and became a champion bodybuilder. But even as a bodybuilder, I had to lose body fat. You know, I would be 195 pounds, but I would compete at 172 or 176. I had to drop 20 pounds uh, in sometimes a relatively short amount of time to compete in bodybuilding and have that kind of Muscle definition, like you have, Amy, in your biceps. I saw before we started recording. Um, you know, I had to have that. I had to have the muscle definition, the veins, the low body fat, be able to see abs and muscle separation, and legs and arms and back. So I became, you know, almost like an expert in burning fat, and then I became an expert in building muscle, and then building strength, where I could, you know, lift significant weights, uh, very heavy weights uh, for my body size, and all of that. And it, and it, and it, all, it was all because. I had awareness. I, I documented things for a period, so I learned about myself, what I do and and don't do, and what my preferences are, and where I'm lazy, and or how I manage 1,440 minutes in a day to be productive or not productive. And then I had control, and that's such a powerful word. I mean, imagine how many people listening, or how many people have you talked to, Amy, who would just love to be able to have control. Let's say. their of their weight loss or weight gain or just their body weight or control of their energy levels or control of their of their cholesterol levels or their health or whatever the case is and in many cases you absolutely can and i've experienced that firsthand over the past quarter century and i've known so many others who've been able to do that too and it's it's uh it's such an empowering feeling and so i encourage everyone to experiment with that play around with that and and really learn a lot about yourself, and then you can apply whatever strategies that make sense to you in relation to what your goals are to help achieve them.
0: Well, that is very empowering because I think many people throughout their childhood and even a lot of their adult life, they don't feel that they're in control. It seems that in recent years anyway, we just want give me a magic pill, or just tell me what I need to do within 24 hours. And I want to look like you, you know, and it's not that easy. And you have to really dedicate yourself to something and you can't just have something happen overnight, it would turn out to be beneficial anyway.
1: Yeah. And I think this this idea of overnight success with weight loss or muscle gain, or, you know, whatever it is, writing a book or having a podcast or, your own show or whatever is this? Is this false reality? I mean, uh, actually, I know it's a very common expression or or quote or idea. But my wife just shared it with me the other day, just as a reminder. Uh, she was talking about um, you know Chinese bamboo plants, how you you want you you plant seeds and you water them every day or every what you know whatever the consistency is, you know, every other day or for five years, and they don't do anything. They just sit there. And then all of a sudden they grow to, you know, 90 feet tall in their, in their fifth year. But it was that, it was that continuous nurturing and watering and planting and, and, and caring that led to that result five years later. And that, that's the same thing with, with health and fitness. Nobody gains weight overnight, regardless of what your genetics are. Nobody just, nobody does that. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over the course of habits in our environment, uh, over the course of of years, that's whether we're talking childhood obesity or adulthood obesity uh, or just people struggling with weight, it's 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 a culmination of our habits throughout our lives. And yes, some of us have uh, predispositions and, and genetics that are more inclined to uh, add body weight. And many of us have circumstances where we don't have healthy food at home, including children. It's very unfortunate. Whether, they're, whether they live in a food desert or they're just financially um, uh, limited, or they, there's not a lot of education in the household about what types of foods to eat, and the fact that there's government subsidies on foods like like processed meats um, that are you know class one carcinogens or class two a carcinogens, and these are the foods that are affordable to eat: hot dogs and chips and things that are fried and things that are uh, shelf stable and will last for years, and they're very affordable and they're convenient. They're at every um, gas station, grocery store in the country it's that kind of stuff, or it's the hidden sugars that are in things like even bottled smoothies you get at a, at a, even a health food store that are just, you know, I've read these labels and I've compared them. I've with my new book, I've, 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 you know, laid this out there that sometimes even these bottled smoothies that are, you know, considered a healthy green juice have more of your, your daily added sugar intake than, than what you're supposed to consume in the entire day of all of your calories. It's, 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 you know, your daily intake is done with one green smoothie that's loaded with sugar. And, uh, and that contributes or, or the fact that uh, soda is something that is one of the cheapest things possible. And children, uh, myself included, when I was a kid, uh, drank a lot of it. You know, you can get those big 44 ounce or 64 ounce. I mean, 64 ounce is half a gallon. Can you believe that? I mean, half a gallon of soda loaded with sugar loaded with sugar and it's addicting and it's you know obviously tons of calories and it's in calories in liquid form so you don't think of it as eating you're drinking it and that's one thing that baffles me a little bit amy is that when i talk about let's say bodybuilding diets and i talk about things like 3000 calories a day or 4000 calories a day some people's eyes get really big like who eats that much and the people who eat that much are often regular everyday people regular everyday people eat 3 to 4000 calories a day no question. Absolutely. In their, their liquid consumption, their alcohol consumption, their pizza consumption, their pastry consumption, their bread consumption, their oil consumption, their butter consumption, their dairy consumption, their meat consumption loaded with calories. And they're, but they're the ones that are, that are just mind blown that someone can actually eat 4,000 calories a day when they are in fact doing it. And it's leading to obesity and to health problems. And, and, and those, you know, that leads to inactivity that leads to a lower desire or or confidence to then go do things like exercise or go to the gym. Um, It it leads to uh, feeling more lethargic or having some aches and pains because your joints are carrying around more weight and you then you're less likely to engage in these in these exercises or more even more likely to uh, succumb to some sort of injury to an ankle or knee or lower back because of the situation that you're in. And so, that's why I do like to share some of these ideas about knowing how many calories are in something. You know, I just had three bananas before this, uh, this, uh, this, this interview today, you know, about 120 calories per banana, but they're, they're, they're super nutrient dense. I also had some apples and some water and some, uh, uh, antioxidant drink from, uh, aronia berry, which is, uh, uh, more antioxidant rich than blueberries or acai berries, although less common. And you know I'm aware of how many calories are in those things, just as yeah you know, I may be aware of the 250 or 300 calories in a typical frozen burrito, a plant-based frozen burrito. But you but you can look at three or 400 calories in a little chocolate bar, or uh, the the super calorie density in cheese or ice cream or 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 meat, and being aware of that can just help us make decisions uh, when we go to the grocery store. And one thing I've been saying for 15 years on tour. And maybe you've heard me say is I I, I oftentimes and this is totally true, um, not that I do it all the time or maybe even not super recently, but probably within the last few weeks, I'll be in a, gro- a grocery store and I will ask the question to myself just quietly in my head, you know, what will this food do for me? Will it will it help me or will it hurt me really nutritionally? Like sometimes, sometimes I want things like you know potato chips or corn chips or vegan ice cream or frozen pizza or i see a great deal and i can't turn it down it's like buy you know buy one get one free or whatever but i have to say is this helping me or is this hurting me and then i've got to move over as often as i can to the produce section and say this is my nutritional return on investment this is what i've got to do if i want to be the best version of me and and i think that's the quest that we're all on what's the best Version of ourselves, and how do we get there? And it takes discipline. It takes accountability. It takes being honest with ourselves, which is not always fun, because I have to confront myself and say, Robert, you are addicted to caffeine. You're addicted to added sugar in food. You are addicted to the way this this hot, you know, warm, textured, processed maybe let's say it's a pizza food makes you feel, and it reminds me. Of my friend, Chef AJ, who I'm, I'm sure you, uh, you know, uh, who has the famous line. In fact, it's even in my brand new book that comes out in two months when she's talking about food and junk food specifically. She says, if it's in your house, it's in your mouth because a time will come when you are tired, when you're stressed, when you're lazy, when you've eaten through a lot of the other stuff in your house, like produce, then you're like, well, this chocolate thing's just staring at me or this big bag of chips has been there for like two months, or this vegan ice cream is not going to eat itself. Like, I don't know, it's a Saturday night, I'm watching a movie, let's just do it. And then that's what starts this snowball effect of, you know, okay, now I had this thing. Well, okay, I had this thing, I'm gonna go have this other thing now, because why not? I already, I already messed up, so to speak. And, uh, and now I don't feel like, exercising. And since I missed yesterday at the gym and it's now closed on a Sunday at this certain hour, I'm not going to make it in time. You know, why bother? And I'll just figure it out next week. And then maybe next week work gets busy or life gets busy or uh, a pandemic hits and you can't go to the gym or, you know, something happens. And so really at the end of the day, it's it's about personal accountability, but those are words that people don't like to hear. And so I use words like showing up I learned that from Sonia Looney, who's in my new book, from Rich Roll, who's in my new book, uh, from Scott Jurek, from Rip Esselstyn, uh, people I interviewed recently that just show up every day, you know, show up and and start your day with, like I just shared with you, you know, uh, some fruit and some water and some antioxidants and some real energy um, and and go from there and and start by exercising or having a, a, uh, you know, a positive attitude for the the day ahead in the 1,440 minutes we have, how do I make the bo- the, the most of that? Um, those are the kind of things that I think we need to focus on. And, and even if it's under the umbrella of personal accountability, we can think of it as consistency, we can think of it as goal setting, we can think of it as actionable steps, or we can simply think of it as showing up. Just show up day after day and eat healthy food, stay hydrated, exercise, smile often, And, you know, or be like me and have a dog sleeping on your arm and all of it helps.
0: I just love everything that you say. It's so inspirational and it's things that we really need to keep these words in our thoughts because our thoughts really seem to determine our actions and if we can keep these kinds of motivational thoughts in our minds, it would surely be helpful. Muscle building is important, I think, for everyone. I mean, for some people, it could be that they want to compete like you have. But for some people, I think it's important for everyone, actually, it's important to have muscle because we need to have strong bones. And if you don't have muscle, then you don't have strong bones. So as somebody who's just starting out, and maybe they're just kind of the person with the remote control in their hand for the TV and they're on their computer or their whatever device all the time and they they don't have a dog, or if they do, the dog doesn't get a W A L K. What would you suggest? I didn't want to say the word. You never know. Yeah,
1: I, I, I'm <laughs> time and I appreciate that.
0: Um, so how can they start?
1: Amy, that's a great question. And it's a question that a lot of people have. And I know people in my personal life who are not athletes and have, have not been athletic their whole lives. And I have to make sure that I understand that. And coming from a place where I was always an athlete, whether I was an endurance athlete or strength athlete, uh, I have to make sure I recognize that that's not everyone's desire. Everyone doesn't have just this desire to go exercise. You know, There's a desire to do other things, um, to be academic or to read or to be scientifically engaged. Um, or to be musically inclined or to have just other hobbies. Like not everyone just enjoys going out for a run. That's, that would be torture for a lot of people. They would hate that or running on a treadmill or going to lift weights would be just an awful thing to experience. They just, why put yourself through, you know, the pain of muscle contraction, you know, in a, in a, in a big, noisy, loud air conditioned box gymnasium, like who wants to do that? And so what I think is, is very, very important is for people to find what they enjoy about exercise. You know what exercise is, Amy? Exercise is dancing. It's skiing. It's it's going on a walk. It's riding a bike. It's swimming. It's running on the beach. It's it's walking uphill in in, in uh you know in a neighborhood. It's it's doing things around the house. It's going on walk with your with your pets. It's it's being active. It's 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 anything. It's moving furniture. You know, it's, it's, it's carrying groceries. It's, it's walking to and from places, um, that, you know, cannot be taken for granted. Like we have to understand that those are forms of exercise, playing basketball, playing tennis, uh, you know, throwing a, throwing a ball or playing catch with with a friend, the child, the parent, a loved one. Um, doing something that gets your heart rate up, that gets your muscles engaged, that's adventurous. You know, you know putting on a, a, a tight t-shirt or a, or a hoodie and going to the gym to lift weights is not for everybody. If that's not for you, don't do it, but find something that, that does work for you. You know, and for some people that is something like dancing or being part of a team sport, or hiking is a very common one, or even walking. And the more we can do for our, our lower body, you know if we're able to uh it, the better because then we start building up those 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 leg muscles and we help with bone density and um and I was talking to uh, Dr. Dean and Aisha Sherzai uh, recently and they have a great a brand new best-selling book right now too um uh about about Alzheimer's and they were but they were they were talking about exercise being leg exercises being the most important ones that you can do even for for brain health It's just, there's something about training legs that is, is very, very uh, beneficial. And so one of the things that I personally do is I love hiking. Um, I currently live in Colorado, but spent a lot of hiking time in Arizona uh, and Oregon, uh, and Los Angeles, California and places that I've lived. And, uh, I'm when I'm not behind a computer (laughs) writing or promoting a book, I, I still engage in that here and in, uh, in Colorado and. Uh, and, and that's great for me it, it, and it trains leg muscles. And also when it comes to fitness in a gym, when I was a competitive bodybuilder 10 years ago, dating back to 20 years ago too, or even now as a weightlifter, like, like what I'm going to do today is, is use the StairMaster at the gym that, that really, uh, I do have access to a gym. I'm very fortunate. Not everybody does. And it's not always safe for everybody during, you know, these, these times, but I, I happen to have access to StairMaster and, uh, and so I use it. I use it almost every other day to be consistent with climbing stairs. And I climb over 100, 100 flights of stairs you know, per day at a time. Usually takes me 25 minutes, uh, anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes to climb 120 flights of stairs. And that is a way to help me uh, stay in shape, uh, make my heart and lungs work, and keep those strong keep my legs, my lower legs, my upper legs, my glutes engaged, my abs engaged. And it's a it's a great workout. And it's just, again, it's just showing up and, and doing that um, day after day or every other day or whatever consistent schedule you're at, uh, yours is. But Amy, the most important thing of all is that you have to, you have to find enjoyment in the process of exercise, or you won't, do it. There are so many other things to do that bring us enjoyment, including, including using social media and engaging with our friends and family from around the world. Um, sitting in a chair, or on a couch, or in a bed, or on a bench, or you know, and not moving, but just you know, brings us happiness and joy, and that's fine. Or watching television, or movies, or our favorite shows, or educational materials, documentaries, or tuning into podcasts like this. Um, those are all great, but. Oftentimes you can do something with it. Like you can listen while you walk or while you're using, um, a stairmaster, or a treadmill or something like that, um, or being active at home. Um, and also, Amy, one other thing I want to mention on that is there is, there's something they talk about in the, in the blue zones with the the longest lived people. Um, it's not just the fact that most of them eat legumes as a, as a staple and a very heavy plant-based diet and they're very active in gardening and walking and cycling and hiking and swimming, but it's also been part of a community that makes people happy and live long, healthy lives. And if you can be part of a team, you know, um, whether it's just a, a tennis club or a golf club or a swimming club or friends that you go on bike rides with or um, friends you meet up to take your, your pets on, on WALKs with, whatever the case is, having some sort of community makes you look forward to something, including exercise. If you have a training partner who is counting on you, is expecting you to be there, who is, is motivated by your presence and you're motivated by their presence, you help one another, um, You know that can't be overlooked either. And so be part of some sort of club, team, sport, community, um, neighborhood, friend, um, loved one, family, be part of some sort of group and and do what you enjoy doing, whatever form of exercise that is, and then do it consistently. And you are on the fast track to health, happiness, weight loss, muscle gain, and just feeling great. And if you just show up every day, you can attain that.
0: Okay. Well, I hope that maybe people will take this along with them on a walk and hear your motivational talk. So we're going to take some questions now from our listeners and viewers, and we're going to post them up. Debbie Litton, if you eat protein bars, which one do you recommend?
1: Amy, believe it or not, I don't eat protein bars. In fact, I I don't do protein powders, uh, nor have I in almost 10 years. I'll just quickly explain. I was a big protein bar, protein powder person until I worked for Forks Over Knives in 2011, and I helped release that film. And then I took Dr. T. Colin Campbell's plant-based nutrition course through Cornell University, an online course that challenged my views on protein consumption and uh, subsequently led to a lower protein consumption overall. You may be very surprised to hear that as a 220-pound, six-foot-tall male weightlifter, I only consume about 10% of my calories from protein. I do eat about 3,000 calories per day, 70% and this is documented, so I have the data, it's just, it's there. Uh, 70% of my calories come from carbohydrate, about 10 from protein and 20% from fats. Um, Some days it may be 75, 15, 15, or, you know, maybe 60, 20, 20, whatever the case is, uh, protein is not something that I super emphasize, even as a guy who lifts pretty heavy weights and weighs well over 200 pounds. And so if if that's true for me, I suspect that a low protein diet uh, is, works for a lot of other people too especially with a smaller build or or smaller body type or don't have goals of of getting you know super strong and lifting heavy weights so that being said um i don't use protein bars but there are some out there that are uh no doubt better than others and so i'm not going to really going to mention brands because i have worked with a ton over the years um including some currently with my work with uh my nonprofit work with vegan strong where we support and promote lots of different plant-based brands and companies, even if I personally, you know, my personal philosophy may not be it's focus on protein You know, a lot of people do. So I won't mention brands, but I will just say, you know, look for, uh, look for bars that don't have a lot of added sugar. Uh, look for bars that have all natural ingredients, of course, uh, avoid whey protein and casein protein and milk protein. That's for some reason show up in a lot of bars that otherwise you think would be plant-based. So look carefully for that. And the, the cleaner the bar, the better. Um, I, I do consume some Lara bars because they're like four ingredients. There's nothing sports enhancing or supplement, you know, about them or, or protein rich. They're just dates and, and nuts, you know, and like four or five ingredients. And I do eat some Lara bars, but other than that, um, you, you know, I, I, maybe I'll just quickly add this, that a lot of bars labeled as protein bars actually have three times the level of carbohydrate uh, than protein in those bars, or or maybe double the amount of fat. I mean, they could just be just as aptly be called the carbohydrate bar or a fat bar. Uh, often throwing protein on there is a, is a pretty big marketing thing. Um, they're, they're literally, most protein bars have three times the level of carbohydrate. Therefore, three times the calories coming from carbohydrate. And they could really be listed as a carbohydrate bar, what we call as an energy bar. But protein sells a lot more. So um, what I would say is just... You know, eat eat regular you know regular food. You know, Um, especially pre or post workout, I eat bananas and and berries and potatoes and yams and oats and things like that. Um, Applesauce, you know, super convenient. I've got one you know sitting right here. Like this is to me, this is just this little. um, I mean, that's it. Uh, Organic apples, like that's it. That's what's in here. Organic apples blended up, but it's in a little convenient pouch. Do something like that, and and don't don't super stress the protein. Uh, I don't think that's necessary.
0: I agree. <laughs> Our next one, Trevor L. How do you keep your macros, okay, I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm gonna read it. How do That's you keep perfect. your macros at the level they need to be to sustain your gains?
1: Okay, so what, what Trevor's asking about is your macronutrient, mac, macronutrient consumption. So how do you balance out your carbohydrate, protein and fat consumption to sustain your specific goals when um, all of those contribute to your total calorie consumption? So as I was just saying, for my 3000 calorie diet, 70% of my calories come from carbohydrates, about 10% from protein and 20% from fat. So how do I do that? Well, I manage that. And that's actually my goal. You know, I, I, I deliberately have a low protein intake. I'm just not, I'm just not that into it. You know, I've, I've spent years doing five protein drinks a day and 300 grams of protein a day. I'm fine with less than hundred grams of protein a day, even at 220 pounds. Like it's just, it works for me to eat much more naturally and, and health conscious foods and complex carbohydrates, which naturally contain more vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, phytonutrients, water, and fiber than protein rich foods do even in the plant-based world. So how do I do that? I, I just, I seek out uh, the foods that, that fit those categories. Um, I, as I've mentioned already, I eat a lot of fruit and, and vegetables and grains and legumes. And even if we think it's legumes, as as high protein foods, like beans or lentils or whatever, remember, most of their calories come from carbohydrate. They're very, they're really a carbohydrate food. Um, They just have higher levels of protein than, you know, a lot of, a lot of other plants do. So we think of them as high protein when really they're, they're not, they're carbohydrate foods. So that's what I eat. I mean, let me think, like last time I had some pasta, for example, Uh, big bowls, I mean, big bowls of pasta got tons of calories in there. There were vegetables on top and some sauce I had um, uh, some Thai uh, fried rice. Now I know there was some oil in there, of course, but again, very much uh, rice and onions and broccoli and carrots and those types of foods. Uh, For breakfast, like I've been eating um, fruit a lot lately, sometimes oatmeal with berries and nuts and things like that. And I'm a big fan of burrito bowls and plant-based sushi. just, you know, rice and seaweed and avocado and cucumber and carrots or sweet potato or whatever the case is i don't load up on tons of uh tofu or seitan or tempeh i do some um, but honestly not very much and i often go without like even if that's being prepared or offered or you know the extra tofu on the side like no thanks I'm, i'm fine with the rice and vegetables and so that's how i keep on my macros and as we talked about that's where the energy comes from so the energy, the fuel to get ready for a workout, and then the recovery afterwards. So what do you need after workout? I mean, you've burned through all this carbohydrate fuel, you've burned through electrolytes, you've burned through sweat, you've sweated out water, you you want to consume carbohydrate, electrolytes, and water after workout, And uh, and low protein, high carbohydrate plant-based foods are a great way to do that.
0: So if you go into the gym, you can even take, like you said, some bananas and fruit, or even if you have that to-go applesauce, yeah. it just seems so simple. For those of you that are watching and not just listening, you have to show us your muscles because you're talking about these foods that it doesn't seem like you could gain muscle by right. eating these benign sounding foods that you don't have a shake or, right. right. or something. Right. I
1: know it, it's, it just sounds completely ludicrous or like an oxymoron, but I will literally finish a workout and like, I, I'm craving oranges, banana, you know, uh, blueberries, um, apricots, peaches, nectarines, like that's what I want to eat afterwards. And yeah, later I'll have a little bit, something a little bit heavier, you know, a burrito bowl or something, but let me just move Ellie here. Um, uh, she's still here with me on my, on my desk, but let me see if I can get, uh, some muscles here, um, on the camera, um, see if they fit. <laughs> I gotta move. They say
0: things bigger than my head.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they don't really, they don't really sit uh, on the screen very well. But, um, but yeah, you know, I've, I, I do maintain a body weight of, of well over 200 pounds, and I have for years now. And th- that's just the the reality of of what I like to eat. And I document that stuff, and I've done it for years, and it works for me. And there's other, you know, well-known vegan bodybuilders who are starting to incorporate a lower protein intake approach because the nutritional science suggests that you know, it's, it's it perhaps calories, total calories that are more important than total protein. And when you eat, uh, you know, certain macronutrients like complex carbohydrate, you naturally get more anti-inflammatory, antioxidant-rich foods in there, and naturally more electrolytes, naturally more hydration and the ability to recover better. Uh, <laughs> there was a doorbell. She she heard the doorbell just now. Hello. Probably some, <laughs> Probably some sort of um, I don't know. Plant-based shipment that's on the way,
0: right? <laughs> but I think exactly. I think
1: my wife's just checking the door, so I think we're good. Oh, okay, um, good. She, she hasn't started barking yet, but um, but yeah, that's there's a lot of great questions about that, you know. And also, I just want to say, Amy, you're right. What what you described as some of the foods to take to a gym, like even in your gym bag or you take with you if it's a home workout or in the park, those are precisely the things that I really do: bananas, applesauce. Lara bars, perhaps. Like that is what I fuel up on before. I mean, I'm known, and this is for years, I've been known to eat, you know, eat a banana or two as I'm walking into the gym. Like that gives me my, my complex carbohydrate fuel for the workout. That's like the perfect thing for me to eat to power up for a workout. and it's not heavy in my stomach. It's 120 calories or so per banana. It gives me proper fuel. It also allows me to burn through that fuel during the workout. And, and then, uh, while providing energy that whole time, and then I can just simply replenish with something on the way home. Like maybe it is a a, a, a Lara bar, maybe it is a more fruit, maybe it is some berries, maybe or even it's something I pick up on the way home, like some plant based sushi that's a little bit more calorie dense, or I, I grab a burrito on the way home, or simply I, I typically just come straight home and I I have a post workout meal uh, of whatever you know is already at home. You know a, a minestrone soup, uh, you know something like that, a lentil soup, a a rice and bean and vegetable dish, you know, whatever the case is.
0: Well, I'm glad that you talked about that too. And I'm sure that in your book, that would be a great resource to find out what you do eat specifically. So that could give people great ideas.
1: You know what, Amy, not only that, my new book, which is called the plant-based athlete, it comes out June 15th, but you can pre-order now anywhere, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, whatever. In that specific book, I interviewed 60 world-class plant-based athletes, including a dozen Olympians, a dozen world champions, tons of professional athletes, and about 25 of them have a section in the book which shows their sample day in the life. So you can actually see the sample meals and workouts of Olympic athletes, world-class athletes, professional athletes, right there in the book. And we have people like like James Wilkes from the Game Changers and Scott Jurek and Brendan Brazier and Fiona Oaks and Christine Barteros, and Jahina Malik and Natalie Matthews and David Carter, who was in the NFL, and David Verberg, who's an Olympic gold medalist in uh, sprinting, um, a bunch of different swimmers and people like, like Rip Esselstyn and Darcy Gaither and Vanessa Espinosa and incredible uh, Orla Walsh. I mean, incredible men and women. Andreas Andreas Voita, who is an Olympic a uh, uh, olympic athlete runner from austria and a 38 time national record holder um, and and Corinne sutton who's won 20 bodybuilding competitions on a plant-based diet and you get to see like what they eat you know uh from some some from some of these game changer athletes like Dotsie Bausch uh to rich you know people like rich roll in the book and uh it's just uh it's really great and then, of course i contribute mine as well and so does my co-author matt fraser and so you get to see what athletes have from all different backgrounds, endurance to strength to professional to Olympic to world champion, uh, what they eat behind the scenes. And even even the book has 60 recipes, almost all of them, almost all 60 contributed by these world-class plant-based athletes. So it makes it super unique. There's never been a book like this. There's never been a book that reveals so much about what the best plant-based athletes in the world, men and women, do behind the scenes. Even their grocery lists for some of them are listed there. From olympic athletes to world champions like sonia looney and and julia murray list you know like what they grocery shop for and it's just it's so cool to see behind the scenes and even as i read the book over and over and over and over during the editing process uh, you know after i wrote it uh, you know i got inspired every time i I kept getting inspired even get emotional sometimes reading the stories of these athletes who overcame so much? There's even somebody in the book who, who was over 420 pounds, who lost 240 pounds and is now an ultra running champion. That Josh Lajani. Uh, I mean, just the things that he overcame, or people who overcame drug addiction and then became Olympic medalists, or Robbie Ballinger's run across America. Yeah, it was 3,175 miles he ran across America in only 75 days. Do the math. It's a it's a marathon and a half every single day. Um, you know, and, and what they, and, and what their mindset was like, what they ate to fuel that endeavor, how Rip Esselstyn set a world record in his, in his late fifties, in the 200 meter backstroke in swimming, like as a result of his dedication years following a plant-based diet and a positive attitude and working hard. And it's, I mean, uh, it's just, it's just incredible. And, and, and like Fiona Oaks, who, who, uh, lost her kneecap, I think she was like, I don't know, Five or six years old, or something, and was told that she will she would never run, uh, and now has gone on to set Guinness World Record uh, multiple Guinness World Records in ultra marathon running, and she represents her native country of England in um, in marathon running, and, and I think half marathon running and ten k as well, and has um, and has set course records on uh, I don't know six or seven different continents. She's even running a marathon on Antarctica, if I understand it correctly. And it's just really it's just really inspiring so i think i think people are going to love the plant based athlete for its uniqueness and how there's there's nothing else like it out there
0: well we're definitely going to put a link to that and all the other books that you wrote in the show notes and links to where people can find you because these are really important materials that people can have access to and just as you're so inspirational in this short amount of time they can find you on veganbodybuilding.com. We have that in the show notes and on the screen for our viewers so that they can find you. So the time is just going by so quickly. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on?
1: You know, uh, just briefly, Amy, and I know I sometimes my answers are kind of long, so I apologize. I know it, it goes long. With no, you're, you're
0: great information. I, I love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that, but I know I can be a bit long-winded and part of that has been a writer and and usually writing a hundred thousand words in a book and trying to, you know, condense that into some shorter thoughts. But I would like to mention briefly, as you see on my shirt, vegan strong is a nonprofit organization that I've been uh, working with for the last few years. Uh, We are a, a team of vegan athletes who work really, really hard to show the world that plants have all the protein you need. That's our slogan plants have all the protein you need. We, before the pandemic, we exhibited at the biggest fitness expos in the country, if not the world, some that had a quarter of a million attendees, or a hundred thousand attendees, or eighty thousand attendees, and we had a ten by ten or ten by twenty booth, and distributed tens of thousands of booklets about uh, vegan strong and building uh, plant-based muscle, and tens of thousands of product samples from many of our brand partners, and coupons, and we had countless thousands of conversations with people, and we inspired a lot of people in the mainstream fitness culture to uh, believe in a plant-based diet and. And trust the plant-based diet to help them achieve their goals and dreams in the fitness world. And so that's been really, really rewarding. And we haven't been on tour in over a year now because of the pandemic. But we've been shipping out vegan strong monthly boxes on veganstrong.com. It's it's an assortment of various vegan products uh, that we send out, products and coupons. Um, those are, are available on veganstrong.com. We we actually sold hundreds of vegan strong t-shirts just in the last two months. Um, partly because we did a big sale, but, um, but people around the country are wearing those and, and we're just really working hard to show the world that plants have all the protein you need with our recipes, our meal plans, our workouts, our, our, our examples that we set, you know, our, our optimism, our, the fact that we, you know, live the lifestyle, we train hard, we work hard and we eat green and we live clean and, and we are vegan strong.
0: Well, that's wonderful. That's gonna be great resource for everyone. And I hope that they visit veganstrong.com and yeah. see what you have there because we can all help the movement by sharing this with other people, people that don't understand that you can live a healthy lifestyle or you can be a bodybuilder or an athlete and still eat this healthy lifestyle that is good for your body and good for the animals, good for the planet, the environment. It's a win-win-win-win for everyone. And I hope people share this broadcast with lots of people and check out all of your resources wanted to let everybody know that we do have another guest coming up and we kind of touched on this before but just tasse voice is going to show us who is coming next food addiction is far more common than acknowledged dr joan ifland is a food addiction expert and author of the only food addiction textbook processed food addiction she speaks on the topic and has developed a treatment program for people with food addiction join us wednesday april 14th, 3 p.m eastern on be green with amy live and I also want to thank somebody in the background, and that is Rebecca from PKA Sol. She's been our engineer, and she's been clicking everything so I don't have to because I'm thoroughly enjoying my conversation with Robert, and I didn't have to worry about a thing. as She took care of business for us, and I also wanted to thank Jess from Jess Toss Voice. She did the countdown and those promos that you saw throughout the interview. Most of all, I want to thank... You guys the audience because if you were here we wouldn't be and if you can please like share or subscribe or comment let's get this information out because there's lots of people out there that can benefit from this lifestyle and if they don't know about the benefits and they don't know that they can do it in different walks of life whether they're trying to build big muscles like robert has or just regain their health it's going to help everybody and if you can do that And also, what you can do is you can type in, along with Robert and me, we're going to be saying my tagline, which is, be strong, be well, and be green. Thanks, Robert, and thanks, everybody, for joining us.